The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. The CDC reversing its guidance on indoor mask wearing for both the vaccinated and unvaccinated alike as the Delta variant continues to spread. Now the Biden administration is considering even more action. Big tech means big profits, as the likes of Apple, Microsoft, and Alphabet post blowout results for their most recent quarters. We break down which you need to know. Robinhood prepares for its public market debut, but ahead of its pricing tonight, many institutional investors are just wondering if the retail trading platform will succumb to the curse of the 2021 Big Deal IPO. The cyber threat is real, and now IBM is out with a new report detailing the true cost of hacking, especially when work from home is a factor. And shocking news from Tokyo as the major headliner for Team USA pulls out of her signature event at the 2020 Olympics. It is Wednesday, July 28th, 2021. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. And good morning. I am Frank Holland in for Brian Sullivan. Here's how stock futures are looking as we kick off this Wednesday morning. The Dow right now, well, pretty much flat, down very slightly. The S&P 500 and the Nasdaq both up fractionally. Stocks coming off their first down day in six, with tech and Nasdaq really getting the hard, hit the hardest. The Nasdaq coming off a more than 1.2% decline. This as the Fed prepares to issue its latest policy decision at 2 p.m. Eastern time today. No announcement expected in terms of a rate hike, but focus continues to be on talk of a potential taper. But the Fed it may have to take a backseat to earnings. It's the busiest week of earnings season. It just continues to roll on. Results from Apple, Alphabet, and Microsoft after the close yesterday. Those results, at least given the impression, demand for digital services and gadgets is showing no signs of slowing down. The three tech giants raking in a combined after-tax profit of more than $56.8 billion, almost double compared to just a year ago. Much more on those results throughout the morning. But now we turn our attention over to the early trade in Europe. Our Juliana Tattlebaum is standing by in our London newsroom with much more. Hey, Juliana. Good morning, Frank. So European equities off to a solid start this morning. The stock 600 currently about three-tenths of a percent higher. This comes after losses yesterday. The main benchmark dropped about 0.5 percent, but had been gaining ground throughout the course of yesterday. So that positive momentum continuing into today's session. Earnings firmly in focus here in Europe. We've got a number of companies across different sectors reporting and some pretty decent share price moves on the back of results. So let me run you through a few of the highlights. 
highlights, starting with Barclays in the banking sector. Profits at Barclays almost trebled to five billion pounds in the first half of the year. The British lender cited a jump in investment banking fees for supporting the bottom line. Barclays will also resume its dividend and buy back up to 500 million pounds of its own shares. And today, investors are rewarding the company for these results. Shares up about 4%, putting it right toward the top of the stock 600. Deutsche Bank, meanwhile, swung back into the black, reporting a better-than-expected profit for the second quarter, despite a slowdown in trading revenues. Shares marginally higher there. And then in the fashion space, Montclair sales have surpassed pre-pandemic levels in the second quarter. Overall revenues for the Italian luxury group more than doubled year-on-year, excluding its recent 1.2 billion euro purchase of men's fashion brand Stone Island. Montclair said it saw double-digit growth in the U.S. and China, as well as online. Montclair shares, though, down about 4%. So pretty big swings in both directions for these stocks that are reporting numbers today. Frank? All right. Thank you very much, Juliana. Now, turning our attention back to the United States, a developing story when it comes to COVID and the rapidly spreading Delta variant. The CDC is now reversing course on its mask guidance, recommending that unvaccinated and fully vaccinated people begin wearing their masks indoors once again in places with high COVID transmission rates. Now, this comes as President Biden is reportedly preparing to announce mandatory vaccination requirements all across the federal government as soon as tomorrow. NBC's Tracy Potts joins us now. Tracy, good morning. Uh, A lot to unpack here. Absolutely, Frank. Good morning, everyone. So the mandatory federal requirement would have some exceptions, but uh, would be a sweeping change and send a message about how serious the government thinks this latest spread is due to the Delta variant. As for the CDC, they just uh, reversed from two months ago, just two months ago, they said people who are vaccinated don't have to wear masks indoors, now reversing based on new evidence. New overnight, the top doctor at the U.S. Capitol is requiring everyone wear a mask, vaccinated or not. The White House will, too, as President Biden now weighs whether to also require the COVID vaccine for all federal employees. That's under consideration right now. The CDC reversing course now recommending indoor masks for everyone in high transmission areas, red and orange on this map. That's two-thirds of the country. Health officials believe 100 million unvaccinated people are driving the spread. We've got to get to them. We've got to convince them to get vaccinated. But there's also new evidence that infected people who are vaccinated can transmit the virus to others. Those data are very compelling, and that triggered the change in the CDC guideline. The CDC recommendation includes masks for all school children and staff. But several states have banned mandates. It's confusing to parents. It's like one school district is going this way, but one school district a few miles up the highway is different. Vice President Harris seen masking up in Washington Tuesday. None of us like wearing masks. People need to get vaccinated. The mask debate heating up once again as federal employees wait to hear if they will also need to get a shot. Now, sources familiar with those discussions tell us that federal workers who decide not to get the vaccine would have to wear a mask and test frequently. Frank. All right. Tracy Poss with the very latest out of D.C. Thanks, Tracy. Now to this morning's other top stories from the business world and beyond. Our Bertha Coombs is here with those. Bertha, good morning. 
Good morning, Frank. Chinese bike-sharing giant Hello is formally scrapping plans for a U.S. IPO, becoming one of the first casualties in Beijing's crackdown when it comes to overseas listings. In its request for withdrawal, the company, which is backed by Jack Ma's Ant Group, says it no longer wishes to conduct a share sale at this time without providing any additional details. Meantime, Credit Suisse is expected to publish an investigation as soon as tomorrow detailing the breakdown that lead to massive losses related to Archegos Capital Management. According to the Wall Street Journal, the report, which would focus on the bank's risk management unit, human errors in judgment and concentrated positions, could become public around the time the investment bank reports second quarter results, which again are slated for tomorrow. And Walmart is taking a page out of Amazon's playbook when it comes to web services. Starting today, the retail giant will begin selling its e-commerce technology, which allows customers to buy items online and pick them up in stores to small and medium-sized businesses on a subscription basis. Walmart is partnering with Adobe to offer the new subscription service. Businesses will also be able to add products to Walmart's online marketplace with just a few clicks. Shots fired, Frank. That would be a big, big competition there. Two behemoths. Yeah, sometimes when these big boys fight Bertha, you just got to let them go. All right, Bertha Coombs, we appreciate it. (laughs) All right, let's turn our attention back over to the markets. Futures right now firmly in the green, the Dow pretty much flat, the Nasdaq and the S&P 500 up marginally. And this comes after the market snapped a five-day winning streak as earnings week continues with some big names like Pfizer and McDonald's set to release their quarterly earnings reports this morning. Joining me now is Bill Stone, the chief investment officer for the Glenview Trust Company. Bill, big day ahead. Glad you're here. Big question now. Earnings or Fed? Which one is top of mind for you when it comes to the markets? Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm going to push and say both. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the, I guess the earnings will dominate the morning and then the Fed will take over in the afternoon. All right. Man, there you go. Clean answer there. You said push, and then you gave us a real answer. I like that one. So obviously, Bill, uh, so much going on right now just in the, the global economy and, the, and just the world in general. We have the Delta variant. Um, we have inflation here in the United States, also in other parts of the world. Um, we have the 10-year, uh, those yields down from a month ago. We have the yield curve flattening. How do you see that impact in the market before we get that Fed news conference at 2 o'clock? Well, I mean, it's been really kind of hanging over the market. So you've seen some of the more economically sensitive uh, companies, you know, frankly, I- I'm going to say the banks are the, probably the easiest one to point to, not trading well, um, despite the fact that, you know, the market hitting all-time highs quite often during the period. And I think that's really showing you underneath the surface, the worry is that, you know, we might be, you know, going into some more difficult, you know, economic growth uh comparisons but uh, and part of that's you know probably chalk that up to worries about uh, the variants and also worries about perhaps the fed being too aggressive uh in taking away stimulus so bill uh starbucks and apple reporting last night generally these companies are a pretty solid read on the state of the consumer um you saw the numbers what did you take away about these companies and about consumer spending as we enter the i guess delta variant influence recovery yeah, I mean, what you can say about it is the U.S. consumer is alive and well, at least for things that they really want. So um, Starbucks now posting better results or better you know, sales 
than they were pre-pandemic. I think, you know, when you think back on it, you know, remember the times when we were in the midst of lockdown, people say, will people go back to their, you know, coffee fix or at least going to Starbucks for it because you're not in the office? I mean, I certainly worried about that. Um, well, the worry no longer because uh, they knocked it out of the park. Probably the only concerns out of Starbucks are really uh, that coffee prices have been going up quite a bit. They said they have the ability to raise prices. So, you know, kind of think about, you know, when we talked about inflation earlier, the second part for them is a little worries about the international. And there you go with the variant side. Uh, they've seen some pressure on their Japanese and Chinese sales, uh, frankly, from, you know, lower mobility. Go over to Apple again, you know, knocked it out of the park. I mean, they didn't have any problems selling phones or their their different products during COVID, frankly. But then they more than doubled earnings now in a quarter over quarter quarter basis. So, you know, their issue is really when you go and look at it is they talked about that they've got supply chain issues and they probably won't be able to ship as much product as people want. So uh, all in one, you've kind of got all the issues we're dealing with out there within these two companies. Well, mobile phones and coffee, two things at least the WEX audience can't live without. Bill Stone, we appreciate the insight. Thanks for being here. Thank you. All right, when we come back, much more on Worldwide Exchange, including Starbucks warning of problems percolating in China. Bill Stone just mentioned that in this latest earnings report. Details ahead, plus how one travel startup is banking on the return of business travelers, even as the pandemic is showing no real signs of ending. And later, breaking down big tech, what Wedbush's Joel Kalina is telling clients this morning After some blockbuster results, a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Time now for your big money movers, three stock stories of the morning. Shares of Starbucks under pressure, down almost 2.5%, despite beating on the top and the bottom lines for its most recent quarter. Global same-store sales up 73% from a year ago when they fell 40% during the depths of the pandemic. U.S. sales also higher by 83% year-on-year. But the coffee chain is warning of a slower recovery in China. That's the second-largest market for Starbucks and lowering its full-year forecast for the country's same-store sales growth, despite raising its overall outlook for fiscal 2021 earnings per share. Shares of AMD are higher after the company issued third-quarter sales guidance above expectations. The world's second-largest computer chip maker now says Q3 sales will come in right around $4.1 billion. Analysts were looking for a number closer to $3.8 billion. AMD also raising its annual outlook and now expects sales to jump 60 percent compared to an earlier forecast of 50 percent. 
And Visa shares under pressure as well this morning, down almost a percent, despite beating on the top and the bottom lines for its most recent quarter, ending on June 30th. The payment processor reporting sales of $6.13 billion. That's topping the $5.88 billion analysts were expecting. The results come on the heels of a snapback in consumer spending compared to a year ago, with Visa saying that payment volume is up 34 percent to $2.7 trillion. All right, still on deck here on Worldwide Exchange, how one travel startup is trying to lure back the still elusive business traveler, taking a page from Airbnb along the way. Plus, shocking news for Team USA in Tokyo when it comes to gymnastics superstar Simone Biles. The full story when Worldwide Exchange returns. Today's big number, $2.24 trillion. That's how much is invested in ESG funds globally as of the end of June, according to Morningstar. Increased offerings, net inflows, and market appreciation grew sustainable fund assets by 12% since the first quarter. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Let's get a check on this morning's other headlines. NBC's Philip Mena is in New York with the very latest. Hey, Philip. Hey, Frank. Good morning. A chemical leak at a Lyondell Bissell plant near Houston killed two people last night and left seven more injured. The company says the acetic acid leak was quickly contained and there's, quote, no level of concern for residents in the area. An investigation into the cause is still underway. Meanwhile, it was an emotional day on Capitol Hill during the first hearing on the January 6th riot. Police officers gave gripping accounts of facing down the mob that day, describing attacks that were both verbal and physical. Top Republicans have criticized the investigation into January 6th as partisan. And finally, it's perhaps the most shocking moment of the Olympic Games so far. Simone Biles, considered the greatest of all time, suddenly pulling out of the team gymnastics final after struggling on the vault exercise. Officials confirmed that Biles will also not defend her all-around gold medal in the individual competition. Her team says she is focusing on her mental health. Biles will be evaluated daily to determine whether or not she will compete in next week's individual event finals. Frank, back to you. Yeah, Philip, big disappointment to not seeing Simone Biles compete. Um, don't know what's going on in her head, but we do know she has the heart of a champion. Still hoping to see her later on this Olympics. Thanks a lot. Yeah, we can only hope. You know what? She doesn't owe anything to any of us. She right. only owes it to herself to you know, take care of her own well-being. Yeah, wishing her the best, absolutely. Sure. All right, Philip, great to see you as always. Me too. All right. Demand for travel and short-term rental booking has been slowly recovering. As travel restrictions, they've come down across the country. Sonder, an Airbnb-like platform that specializes in offering contactless hotel-like amenities, is seeing travel demand bounce back. The company is also announcing this morning it will be partnering with platforms to offer businesses the ability to book through its site, expanding from individual travelers as business travelers also business travel also looks to make its comeback. Let's bring in the CEO of Sonder, Francis Davidson. Francis, thank you so much for being here. Good to be here. So, Francis, really quick, 
we described your, your platform as Airbnb-like. Can you kind of give us what the biggest difference between staying in an Airbnb, Airbnb, I can't talk right now, an Airbnb and a hotel is from a Sonder site? And why would business travelers be attracted to one of your properties as opposed to a hotel or just an Airbnb? Certainly. So listen, Sonder is a tech-enabled hospitality brand. Uh, so what that means is that we actually operate hotels and apartments under the Sonder brand. And those spaces are beautifully designed by us. Uh, the services are accessed through the Sonder mobile app. So early check-in, late check-out, um, communication with our staff, requests, etc. And it makes it possible for us to offer premium accommodations uh, with modern service at a really great value. And we're on a mission to take our offering from the 39 cities we're currently in across 10 countries to the rest of the world. Yeah, I know you own all of your properties. Um, you have more than 250 across the nation. Um, so the idea here is for you is that you can attract business travelers in general. They would ideally be longer stay people like a lot of other people on your platform. My question to you is that when do you see your, your ability to take advantage of that? I talked to my colleague, Phil LeBeau, one of the experts on airline travel and business travel in general. He says right now business travel is uh, probably about 70 percent lower than it was before the pandemic. Um, when do you see the rebound and do you see people staying as long as they would have pre-pandemic? So the business travel recovery has been slower than leisure travel, but it still has happened extremely rapidly. And we think that the value proposition that we offer really resonates with travel managers. Uh, they have a duty of care. They need to ensure that their employees are traveling safely. Uh, and with Sonder, it's possible to do the entire stay uh, in a completely contactless way. Um, you know, we have units and oftentimes that are larger uh, that are just uh, better uh, in the context of the pandemic. That's been really resonating with travelers over the last 18 months. Uh, and that story is uh, really appealing to uh, travel managers and businesses that want to put their uh, employees back on the road. So where do you see the future of, of long-term stays like uh, your company provides? Do you see people wanting to stay longer in one place? Or as the recovery continues, do people want to kind of be a bit more nomadic? We saw you know, a big boost in uh, RV shipments. A lot of people wanting to hit the road and get out there and also have just more control over their environment. Yeah, listen, I've, I've been on the road for uh, uh, the last, in the last 12 months, for about nine months, I've been staying in a variety of saunders very, very comfortably, working remotely. And actually 74% of young adults that we've surveyed uh, have expressed a strong interest in trying the digital nomad lifestyle. Uh, the idea that companies are increasingly comfortable with remote work means that uh, folks are taking advantage of that freedom, uh, and a Saunders space is, is really perfect for that. Uh, those you know, spaces look really beautiful, appealing, local, um, and come with really high quality and consistency, uh, which is something that's really impossible to find in the market today and, and really suitable for, for longer stays. All right, CEO of Sonder, Francis Davidson, we really appreciate you being here. All right, coming up ahead here on Worldwide Exchange, breaking down the true cost of hacking. IBM out with a new report this morning highlighting work from home as a costly new variable when it comes to cybersecurity, Worldwide Exchange, we'll be right back. Big Tech's biggest stars crushing the street's expectations with their latest results. Wedbush's Joel Kalina, he's here to sift through the numbers with what investors need to know. President Biden weighing new mandates to combat the surge in the Delta variant as the CDC reverses course on its rules regarding masking up indoors. And new troubles for Robinhood on the eve of its highly anticipated IPO. It is Wednesday, July 28th, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. All right, welcome back. I'm Frank Holland in for Big Papa, Brian Sullivan. 
Here's how stock futures are looking as we're halfway through the 5 a.m. hour. The Dow right now, well, basically flat, while the S&P and the Nasdaq both firmly in the green. All three indices snapping their five-day win streak on Tuesday with tech really weighing on the markets. The Nasdaq suffering a more than 1% drop. Also, we want to get a look at some of the stocks right at the center of China's ongoing regulatory crackdown. Bit of a bounce back this morning. We see Alibaba up more than 1%. Metwan up about 7.5%. Tal Education up more than 11%. Didi up almost 7%. And Tencent, well, just up fractionally. Now we want to take a look at some of the morning's other top stories. Our Bertha Coombs, she's back with those. Good morning again, Bertha. Hey, good morning again, Frank. President Biden reportedly set to unveil new steps in the bid to combat the Delta variant surge. According to CNN, the president will announce tomorrow that all federal employees and contractors will be required to be vaccinated or submit to regular testing and mitigation requirements. He also expects to reveal new incentives to encourage more jabs. The move would follow the CDC's decision to reverse its mask recommendations, saying that vaccinated people and kids in hotspots in this country should once again wear them indoors. We're learning new details, meantime, about Rivian's reported expansion plans. According to Reuters, the Amazon-backed EV maker plans to invest $5 billion into its expected second manufacturing plant. The report adds that the plant will include a 50-gigawatt-hour battery cell production operation and a product and technology center. Reuters says construction will begin this fall with producing productions uh, rather slated to begin in the second quarter of 2023. And Delta is ramping up hiring amid surging travel demand. CEO Ed Baskin revealing the carrier looking to add 5,000 workers across the company, including more than 3,000 in airport customer service and other operational areas. The move comes as the TSA reported screening more than 2 million people on Tuesday, a dramatic jump from the 700,000 one year ago. And I will tell you, Frank, the other day I was making a reservation for later this year. Yeah. I had problems online. They told me the hour, it was going to be a two-hour wait on the phone. I was glad that I was able to resolve it myself online. You know, Bertha, two hours. I've had the same experience. I had to cancel a flight, and, I, you know, you call, you just hold, you hold, you hold. I try using their tech service. That's actually a little faster. All right, Bertha Coombs, we appreciate it. There you go. All right, turning our attention to cybersecurity now. New figures putting a price tag on the true cost of data breaches to companies amid that continued and growing threat. Our Eamon Jabbers joins us now with a look at the numbers. Good morning, Eamon. Good morning, Frank. This is the 17th year IBM has done their data breach report. And the findings this year are bad news for companies on the receiving end of all these cyber attacks. The company found that the average cost of a data breach is up 10% just from last year. And in this weird pandemic era that remote work was a big new driver of vulnerability, remote work was involved in breaches of 17.5% of companies. Uh, the remote breaches took more time to chase down and cost over uh, just over a million dollars more to fix as well. So these things uh, can be steep. And which industries had the highest cost from all those attacks? Well, healthcare took the top spot where it has usually ranked in this survey, followed by finance, pharmaceuticals, technology, and energy. And here's an interesting statistic on ransomware, which we've heard so much about recently. The average total cost this year is $4.6 million. And that's not including 
paying the ransom itself. IBM reminds us that costs from a ransomware attack include everything from detection, escalation and notification to lost business and the post-breach response. And all of that is getting very expensive. Frank, back over to you. Amen. Uh, incredible numbers there. Uh, so here's the real question. What can companies do to try to keep these costs down? Well, IBM is saying in this report that what you want to do is have a good security system in place. And, you know, some of this might come down over time uh, due to the, the tail end of the pandemic. I mean, we just heard from Bertha about this COVID variant surging and a lot more mask mandates and all of that. But if we can get past that and get people back into the office, that might help because remote work does seem to be adding vulnerabilities here. The other thing is, you know, security procedures, everything as sexy as AI-based security to as basic as just regular old encryption, all those things, IBM says, uh, do drive the costs down over time, Frank. All right, Eamon Jabbers, we appreciate the very latest out of D.C. Turning our attention now to your big money movers today. It's really the biggest of the big. That's Apple, Alphabet, Microsoft and Facebook. Let's kick it off with Apple. Profits nearly doubling in the June quarter with revenue beats across all products and all services. Apple delivering thirty nine point six billion in iPhone sales alone, up almost 50 percent from a year ago. The strongest sales growth coming from China, where CEO Tim Cook says, Customers are buying accessories, such as the Apple Watch, to pair with their iPhones. But the stock is lower, with Apple forecasting slower revenue growth as the global chip shortage will start to affect iPhone production. That's something that Cook addressed on the earnings call. The majority of constraints we're seeing are of the variety that I think others are seeing that are, I would uh, classify as industry shortage. We do have some shortages uh, in addition to that that are where the demand has been so great and so beyond our own expectation that it's difficult to get the entire set of parts uh, within the lead times that, that we try to get those. All right, now let's bring in Joel Kalina, head of technology and media trading at Wedbush Securities. Joel, thanks for being here. Yeah, Frank, good morning. Thanks for having me. So let's kick it off. What was your take on those Apple earnings, especially that guidance going forward related to the chip shortage and that commentary from Tim Cook that you could see was pretty cautious? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not very surprising that, I mean, we, we, that the tone, especially surrounding the global chip shortages, has been you know fairly cautious. I mean, no one's you're not going to get paid, uh, you know, handsomely to kind of try to be a hero and downplay it. You know, Musk has flip flopped a little bit over the past several months on on the semi shortages. But it's it's you know kind of just a reality right now facing almost every major tech player and apple's obviously top of the food chain and and now where apple's been a lot more insulated is because they are the number one consumer of of chips and and they are going to get favorable treatment from their key suppliers you know especially taiwan semi at the leading edge so i don't think at least in my conversations last night and some of the notes i've been able to glance over this morning no one's really worried uh, over the long term, maybe we see some of the you know iPhones get pushed out a quarter like we saw last year. Um, but it's they're not facing a demand issue. More importantly, uh, it's more or less just a timing issue. So for Apple, you know, people are, are picking a little bit at kind of lingering supply constraints, constraints, you know, no explicit guidance moving right. forward. But overall, phenomenal quarter, as you kind of highlighted some of the, uh, the the major components of the beat. All right, let's move on now. Alphabet and Microsoft, Alphabet's second quarter profit more than doubling, easily beating forecasts, revenue jumping 62 percent, with the company yep. generating more than 50 billion in ad sales, up from nearly 70 percent from a year ago. Incredible growth. 
The stock higher in extended trading and is up more than 50 percent this year. Microsoft's fourth quarter profit rising 47 percent, with sales topping 46 billion, beating analyst estimates. The company's cloud business, Azure, saw sales growth of 51 percent. The stock initially falling after the results, but headed higher after Microsoft says it expects that growth to continue. Um, let's go back one, uh, Joel, if you don't mind. Let's talk about Alphabet. Um, ad sales are obviously a big part. Also, YouTube, something that's, you know, a business within a business, a big part of the company. What was your take on what you saw from the earnings results? Yeah, I mean, uh, Alphabet, it still remain, remains my favorite large cap growth pick. I mean, for, for continued YouTube momentum, explosive digital ad results, and just continued focus and acceleration in their cloud unit. But you, you hit, it, hit, hit the nail on the head. You know, YouTube growth is phenomenal. And talk about a unit, you know, that continues to benefit from the secular shift from linear TV to, to online video and, and streaming. And, and that trend is not slowing anytime soon. Uh, YouTube growth was 70, uh, 70 percent. And uh, again, I mean, they're just explosive results in terms of on the digital advertising front as well. And there is nothing to pick out at Alphabet. And I think you could argue, you know, going back on a multi-year basis, Alphabet's probably been the most underweight amongst the FANG members. And I think this year you're starting to see an investor base, uh, you know, kind of continue to warm up to the story even more. And uh, I think this is a stock that continues to, to work and, and hands down the best print in tech I think we've seen up to this point of the earnings season. And, and you're going to see a material upside to a consensus estimates. You know, one more question about Alphabet and that YouTube growth, something I really uh, saw and, and kind of uh, caught my attention from a personal note. I also look at YouTube as, you know, uh, a podcaster competing with Spotify, a music site. Um, is that potential for the site, in addition to the fact you can watch sports on it, has that already been priced in to Alphabet? I mean, to some degree, but I mean, I think if Alphabet's got right now, they have so many you know different big parts of the business that seem to be all be firing on all cylinders which makes the sum of the parts thesis still relatively undervalued. So YouTube, the runway is, is they have a lot of runway ahead of them and they continue to innovate. They keep up with times um, despite all the other kind of com competitors that have entered the streaming world over the past, you know, five plus years. seems like YouTube's always at the top of a, a top of the chain and, and will continue to attract, you know, massive advertising dollars. And so until you see a shift where maybe the growth is decelerating, but it's just, I mean, they literally just put up eye pop and growth, you know, quarter after quarter and as they continue to innovate along the way. Yeah, absolutely. All right, one more tech giant to get to. We want to get your take on Facebook. Reports second quarter numbers after the close today. Profit is forecast to grow roughly 70% to $8.8 billion. Revenue is projected to rise nearly 50% to almost $28 billion. And Facebook's monthly active user base is expected to grow more than 7% to $2.9 billion. The street's looking for a substantial beat and bullish guidance, even as the company faces antitrust and misinformation allegations. And it may actually feel the effects of Apple's new limits on ad tracking. Um, what's your take on the potential for that 7% user growth with so much competition out there for just eyeballs and just in the digital space? Yeah, I think I think with Facebook, it's similar to, similar to Apple, Microsoft, and all really the mega caps. You know, to me, positioning is the number one issue for, for a lot of these stocks. You know, U.S. tech has become a lot more crowded over the last several days because of SNAP's blowout results last Thursday. They continue to benefit from, from the China implosion that's been underway as well. So I think for Facebook, we know the, the business is performing well. We heard that from Alphabet, Snapchat, and Twitter up to this point. The key for, for Facebook, what you want to really be watching is their commentary on the second half. They've been very cautious on revenue decelerating because of, you know, Apple iOS changes on the ad front. 
Um, and, and that's going to be the key is they, again, they've been very cautious and, and not trying to get investors too worked up that they do expect revenue to decelerate in the second half. So that's where the stock's going to work. If they kind of continue the, uh, you know, being relatively cautious here in the year end in the back half, I think the stock kind of, you'll see a little bit of travel and arrive reaction like we're seeing with Apple right now. Um, but, but fundamentals are, are, are phenomenal. Um, I don't think you can kind of argue the, the gross scale and margins at a lot of these companies, but again, Positioning is an issue for, right. with Facebook. We're always probably a top two most crowded stock on planet Earth. So to me, look look for the second half, you know, commentary on on the business. But the quarter is going to be phenomenal. You know, Joe, one more quick question before we let you go. Speaking of crowded trades, we saw a lot of people pour out of those Chinese Internet names. Is that yeah. money going into U.S. mega cap tech names? Will it continue to go into those names as this Chinese crackdown continues? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, uh, you, you pull up the holders list at whether it's Tencent, Baidu, even some of the education names that have just you know gotten carried out to the woodshed. You know, these are all Western institutions at the top of the holders list. So clearly, risk controls have been put, be, being put in place aggressively over the past week or so. And what do you do? You, you, you sell Baidu, Tencent. You really don't have much time to react because you wake up and there's just a negative headline. And you've seen all this money just flowing into a really select group of large cap names. And I think yesterday was the first first sign that I've seen where that process is winding down a little bit, which, again, could be a near term headwind for some of the big cap tech stocks, which thinks, you know, which makes me think the upside in the near term somewhat limited. Um, but again, that process will work itself out over the medium you know, long term. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's another issue on the positioning front. Just a lot of that Chinese tech money has just you know been, been forced uh, in, into the fang complex. All right, Joel Kalina, we appreciate the insight as always. Thanks for being here. All right, coming up on Worldwide Exchange, Robinhood and Duolingo set to test that red-hot IPO market. What to know ahead of their trading debuts. But first, as we head to break, some more big money movers. Shares of Mattel surging after beating the street with its results. The toy maker posting a surprise profit of three cents per share and revenue just over $1 billion. A different story for shares of Teladoc getting crushed despite posting better-than-expected revenue, the company posting a wider-than-expected net loss. And shares of Mondelez, also in the red this morning, despite an earnings beat. The company reporting higher costs and expenses during the quarter amid rising demand from consumers for its snacks. We'll be back in a moment. All right, welcome back. Shares of Duolingo are set to begin trading today. Sources telling CNBC... The company has priced its IPO at $102 per share, up from its initial price range of $85 to $95 a share. That gives the language learning app a roughly $3.7 billion valuation. The company will trade on the NASDAQ under the ticker D-U-O-L. We're also watching Robinhood with its IPO set to price later today with the expectation of a $35 billion valuation. Ahead of that, several reports revealing the company has received inquiries from U.S. regulators about whether employees traded GameStop and AMC shares before the online broker publicly announced it was restricting trading in those and other so-called meme stocks in late January. The development just the latest hurdle for Robinhood amid mounting worries about among investors about this and some other high-profile IPOs. Our Leslie Picker joins us now with much more on that. Good morning, Leslie. 
Hey, good morning, Frank. So with IPOs this year, bigger isn't always better, at least when it comes to this year's crop of IPOs. Tomorrow, we'll find out if Robinhood, which is expected to raise $2.2 billion at the midpoint of its marketed range, faces a similar fate. Here's the performance since the debuts of six IPOs this year that raised more than $2 billion uh, in the U.S., DD has performed the worst thanks to really idiosyncratic risk from a Chinese regulatory probe. But you look at Coupon, Bumble, Shoals, Platika, all down double digit percentages as well. Now, the Renaissance IPO ETF of recent deals, all sizes, down more than 5% this year and lower by 19% from its February highs. To investors in these deals and potentially others, it may signal that the market is having a hard time digesting bigger deals, and it may deter some investors from buying more IPOs if they're underwater from prior ones. Plus, there's been an enormous supply glut this year thanks to so much equity issuance, the biggest in 16 years, many of which actually showed the market shrinking. Many of those years showed the market shrinking. Now you can see there that's reversed. But Robinhood, a trading app, has a different business model to the bigger IPOs of 2021, which were in e-commerce and ride-hailing and matchmaking, solar infrastructure. You've got gaming and software. And Robinhood is selling up to 35% of its offering to retail investors who likely weren't able to get access to these larger deals. We'll see if Robinhood can break the 2021 curse that has befallen some of the multi-billion dollar deals this year, Frank. You know, Leslie, when you look at those numbers you All just showed. All of the showed, multi-billion dollar deals. <laughs> we look at those numbers you just showed. It looks like something is going on in 2021. Um, some of those stocks, obviously, also foreign stocks. But as you mentioned, some idiosyncratic risk there and some things that are happening there. My question to you, uh, what are the biggest risks for Robinhood going forward? Is the idea that, you know, obviously we have the Delta variant concerns, but the recovery, is that a risk? Because we won't all be at home looking for something to do like trading stocks? Yeah, I think the market is trying to figure that out, Frank. This idea that obviously Robinhood saw such a boon from people staying home. They're working from home. They've got a lot of extra time on their hands. What do they do? Well, they get involved with investing in stocks. They, you know, keep track of, of these meme stocks, as we mentioned Does that change as people go back into the office, have social lives once again? Does the variant provide maybe even a a tailwind for Robinhood because it would potentially have people a little bit more uh, of that shelter-in-place mentality, stay at home and trade? That's the key question. And it's interesting because you look at analyst reports and they say flat out, this is a really, really difficult company to model. Its revenue potential and, and forecasts are are kind of up in the air right now because people just don't really know. And so you talk to investors and that is one of the big challenges, I think, in valuing this company. As far as the risks, regulatory front and center here, obviously they are, you know, they cover a lot of new ground as it pertains to a fintech company. So something like that is is definitely a headline risk for, for this company. All right, our Leslie Picker, we know you're going to be all over all over this IPO and a lot of other stuff on Wall Street with your Delivering Alpha newsletter. We appreciate it as always. All right, Leslie, thanks again. Thanks, Frank. Robinhood is, of course, a five-time CNBC disruptor, fifth, uh, disruptor, the Disruptor 50 company that topped this year's list. CEO Vlad Tenev is among the featured speakers at this year's Disruptor 50 Summit. You can register for that event at CNBCEvents.com. All right, still on deck here on Worldwide Exchange. Market Rebellion's John Najarian is on. He's here to lay out the stocks that he's seeing in action in. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. And we will be right back.
All right, welcome back. Markets working to get back to record highs with futures really trying to hold on to the gains. This amid the ongoing Chinese stock route. And as investors brace for the conclusion of the Fed's two-day policy meeting, for much more on all of this, let's bring in John Najarian, Market Rebellion co-founder and CNBC contributor, plus the coolest guy on Wall Street. I'm just going to come out and say it. John, thanks for being here. Oh, please, Frank, you're the coolest guy on Wall Street. But thank you very much. <laughs> We're going to have to table this mutual admiration society just for a minute. Let's start off with those Chinese Internet names. Um, the KWEB up about 2% this morning. But over the last month, down 31%. I know you've been tracking this since about a couple weeks ago. What's your take on the price action we've seen there? Well, um, from the beginning of July, as you say, Frank, uh, we've seen big speculation in the put options, uh, which is, of course, a bet that it goes down. And now those bets have paid off big time because both of those, the KWE, uh, the KWEB and the FXI, both just traded to new 52-week lows yesterday. Uh, but like you say, we're finally seeing a little speculation come in that maybe they see a bounce here uh, because China might actually uh, stop hurting its own stocks, its own companies by some of the actions that it's taken. So a little bit of a rebound uh, and maybe time for people to take a little nibble on some of these stocks. You mentioned Didi already um, with Leslie, but uh, I think that along with some of the uh, even for-profit education that have been told by China. They can't be for-profit anymore. I think even some of those after a 70% route, it might be time to at least take a little shot. All right. Turning our attention back to the U.S., Teladoc uh, shares hurting this morning, down more than 7%. Uh, earnings just did not agree with Wall Street or the estimates that people had for the company. Um, you've been tracking this since last Thursday when you saw some uh, kind of an uptick in puts. Can you kind of break that down for us? Yeah, just like with uh, K-Web or uh, the, the FXI, uh, last Thursday, a week ahead of the earnings, really, uh, somebody came in with the stock at about $155, and they were buying the 160 puts in big numbers. Um, I think 10 times the open interest traded that day alone, Frank. They didn't liquidate any of them. I imagine they'll liquidate a lot of those today because now those puts that were only $5 in the money are now some $27 in the money as uh, Teladoc just gets whacked this morning. So, John, you know, I call you the big dog, man. We're talking now about the big dog of social media, Facebook. Um, let's look ahead. Oh, what, yeah. do you, what are you seeing on the options market when it comes to Facebook ahead of its earnings later today? All right. Um, the, the numbers are out there as far as, okay, maybe revenue of $28 billion, perhaps a profit of over $8.8 billion, and nearly half the planet being monthly <laughs> active users. Uh, you know, just crazy numbers. There is still great upside speculation. So the opposite of what we had just talked about with Teladoc, they're buying the 380 calls here, Frank, that expire this Friday in very big numbers. 10,000 options, they were bought just a couple days ago. That's a million share equivalent of the stock. And with a stock at $360, you know, that's a $360 million bet uh, that we go higher. I, I think we're gonna see some great numbers out of Facebook. And uh, right now the straddle, the combination of the call and the put is showing us about a 5% move is projected based on those two uh, you know, directions up or down. And I think it's going to be up and through 380 on this move. 
John, we appreciate the insight as always. And you know what? I'll be as cool as you when they let me come on TV with that many buttons undone. We appreciate it. That does it for us here <laughs> on right. Worldwide Exchange. Thank you, Frank. Squawk Box is coming up next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.